Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep. I wandered lonely as a cloud by Williams William Wordsworth. Um, sometimes this poem goes by the name Daffodils, and the reason it has two names and maybe others is because it is actually an unnamed poem. It was first published in uh, Poems, Volume 2 by William Wordsworth. Um, Poems was a book by William Wordsworth, Wordsworth but it was uh, put out in two volumes, and it's uh, on page 49 and 50 of of that. I dug that original out because I thought maybe... It, it would resolve the name thing, but no, clearly it is an unnamed poem, so people call it I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud, because that's the first line. But I think it's probably more memorable in people's mind because it is called Daffodils. And I found out about this poem through my friend Paul Weimer, who uh, is a photographer, and he had taken a picture of some uh, daffodils, <laughs> a lot of daffodils, in fact, and uh, and he quoted the lines from this, and I'm like, what's this? A William Wordsworth I haven't read that I really like? Hmm. Um, and I do really like, and I think it uh, it's deceptively simple. Um, so maybe you could read it to us uh, less deceptively, Eric, and then <laughs> we can um, go through it again after we hear it. Okay. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of dancing daffodils, along the lake beneath the trees, ten thousand dancing in the breeze. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a laughing company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, um, a very brief poem. Um, I have to say, uh-huh. before, before I turn you loose, my friend. Yeah. That is only one way to read the poem, and it depends upon a certain interpretation. There is another way to read the poem that oh. comes from another interpretation. So let's go with this. All right. But do not infer that the way I read it is how I think of it. <laughs> All right. So apparently um, uh, this, is, uh, this is based on an on experience that he had, um, William Wordsworth. I think he was in... Uh, in the Lake Country or Lake District with his sister and they're coming out of a turn in a path in a wood or something and then by a river or by a lake um, there were all these daffodils um, so um, I think that th- this is um, this is some sometimes uh, things that happen to people like transcendental experiences I'm thinking there was an incident with Philip K. Dick with a an onk and a pink beam. <laughs> um, so he says. Yeah, so he said. I, I believe him because it's so stupid. Why would you think that this is a transcendental experience? Because 
the lady from the pharmacy delivered your pain medication and got a pink beam. It's silly, right? But people seem to have these transcendental experiences. And this, I think, is oh, can be read that way uh, because there's nothing supernatural happening. Uh, but, uh, you know, those romantic poets from the uh, early 19th century, they were always going for walks and having transcendental experiences. So I think that that is probably the best way to understand this. Um, however, it is quite beautiful and deep in a way that is, I think, deceptive because it doesn't appear that way. Um, and uh, it's dig a, deep then. Yeah, let's hear it. So um, it starts with that line: "I wandered lonely as a cloud." Um, so um, he's wandering that floats on high or veils and hills. So we've got this perspective looking down, perhaps at the landscape when all at once I saw a crowd and we think it's going to be a group of people, a host of dancing daffodils and a host is like an army, right? Or, uh, also somebody who is receptive to you, um, along the lake beneath the trees, 10,000 dancing in the breeze. Well, they're pretty happy. They don't seem very lonely. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a laughing company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft, when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon the inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude, and then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. So this is uh, a powerful memory that the narrator is drawing upon whenever he is in a vacant or pensive mood. And pensive is an interesting difference than vacant a mood. I'm not thinking of anything, and I suddenly think of those daffodils I saw dancing, and then I go dance with them. Uh, whereas in a pensive mood, um, there's some stress involved, some some something that maybe it requires my attention and then they flash upon my inward eye which is the bliss of solitude that line is very interesting um the inward eye is the bliss of solitude what do you think about that eric uh you're turning me loose jesse i am i think as i read the poem me eric Mm-hmm. I think that the guy who is speaking is an egotistical, <laughs> narcissistic, isolated individual. <laughs> and I would point out to you that narcissus, mm-hmm. narcissism is named for a, a, a character, which we read about in Ovid's Metamorphosis. Um, who falls in love with his own reflection mm-hmm. in the lake and tries so hard to reach it. He gets furious that it will not respond to him when he talks to it, and he <laughs> falls over and drowns. Mm-hmm. So he is turned into a flower called a narcissus. And we have seen narcissus as they grow at the water's edge. Um, like here, the lake has a, a thousand dancing in the breeze. Um but the waves aren't as aren't as uh, active in the wind as uh, is this field of 
of daffodils. Mm -hmm. Because you see, daffodil is another word for narcissus. Mm. And we call it narcissism because of that story and of its metamorphoses. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that I personally see this guy who's speaking, I wandered lonely as a cloud, as a narcissist who is worthy of criticism, negative criticism. Mm. What I am not sure of is whether or not Wordsworth wants me to see it that way. <laughs> so let me let me save that for, for a moment. Sure. I wandered lonely as a cloud. I'm looking out my window right now, mm -hmm. and I see a sky with, I've got some nice puffy cotton ball clouds up there. Mm -hmm. In fact, looking around, I'd say there are probably 30 or 40 of them. Mm -hmm. um, 30 or 40 of them. I, I don't think of clouds as lonely. In fact, when it's a cloudy day, when the weather forecast is going to be cloudy, the whole sky is covered with them. Mm -hmm. Clouds aren't lonely. Clouds are lonely if they're a metaphor mm -hmm. for somebody who, as you say, looks down on the rest. Mm -hmm. He looks down on the whole world. So I saw a crowd, a host. Maybe it's an army. Maybe it's even the body of Christ mm -hmm. that this guy's willing to look down on of dancing daffodils, all these other narcissists, but I don't see them as individuals at all, right? They're just a group of 10,000, as mm -hmm. Stalin said, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. <laughs> They're nothing to this guy, right? But how could I not be ha happy? I had to be gay in mm -hmm. such a laughing company, and yet I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show had me brought. So I didn't get it when I was there. Mm -hmm. When did I get it? I got it when I was alone. Because, right. as you say, that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. Mm. My God, being alone and only having to think of what he sees, not what is actually out there, that's what makes this guy happy. Mm -hmm. And it's only then, not when he sees them, not when he can appreciate the things themselves, then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. But those aren't the daffodils by the lake. The daffodils his heart dances with are the daffodils that he sees with his inward eye. Mm -hmm. This is almost solipsistic. It's so narcissistic. Very. It is very like that. And it suggests that poets abuse the world or <laughs> at least exploit the world. The world is not something that the poet enters into. Now, just a few years before this this volume came out in 1798, a poet, uh, Wordsworth and Coleridge published Lyrical Ballads, which mm -hmm. is usually thought of as the sort of canonical starting point for the romantic period of literature. Right. Characterized by believing that the, the feelings of the individual are the most important thing. It's mm -hmm. not how society works or philosophy. It's how does the individual feel? Well, it may well be that Wordsworth really believed this, that he thought, isn't this great that I can exploit the world and feel all this, and I can dance anytime, and you can too by reading my poem. Yeah. So I am, I am like God, lonely as a cloud. I can look down on the host because I'm God the Father, not the Son who walks in, on the earth. And Wordsworth may have believed that. However, um, I would like to suggest that he also may not. Mm -hmm. Another poem 
composed in 1802, which I believe is the year that this volume came out. Um, uh, 1807. Oh, 1807. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before then, even, he, he comes out with, um, oh, well, it's first published in 1807. It probably comes out here. It's written in 1802 mm-hmm. um, called Resolution and Independence. Okay. The Resolution and Independence is otherwise known as the Leech Gatherer. It's a story about a poet, again, wandering around, and instead of coming upon a host of daffodils, he comes upon an old, old man who's poor. And it's a long poem. I won't read the whole poem at all. Um, the, the way this guy makes his living, because he's old and poor, is he, he walks into ponds and, and lakes and lets the leeches grasp onto him. <laughs> he then comes out prize them off, and he can sell them for medicinal purposes. So here are the last five stanzas. Scarce heard, that is the the guy is telling, the poet, um, scarce heard, nor word from word could I divide, and the whole body of the man did seem like one whom I had met in a dream, or like the man from some far region sent to give me human strength by apt admonishment. My former thoughts return, the fear that kills and hope that is unwilling to be fed cold, pain and labor and all fleshly ills and mighty poets in their misery, dead, perplexed and longing to be comforted. My question eagerly did I renew. How is it that you live and what is it you do? He with a smile did then his words repeat and said that gathering leeches far and wide, he traveled stirring thus about his feet, the waters of the pools where they abide. Once I could meet with them on every side, but they have dwindled long by slow decay, yet still I persevere and find them where I may. While he was talking thus, the lonely place, the old man's shape and speech all troubled me. In my mind's eye, I seemed to see him pace about the weary moors continually, wandering about alone and silently, while I these thoughts within myself pursued, he, having made a pause, the same discourse renewed. Mm. And soon with this he other matter blended, cheerfully uttered with demeanor kind, but stately in the main. And when he ended, I could have laughed myself to scorn to find in that decrepit man so firm a mind. God, said I, be my help and stay secure. I'll think of the leech gatherer on the lonely moor. (laughs) That word repeat, I think, is crucial, Jesse. What? Wordsworth has shown us is that the poet, that is the poet in the poem, who is encountering this guy, is most concerned that even as a mighty poet, he might sometime be dead. (laughs) And he is so concerned with his own future demise that when he meets someone who really lives a life of suffering (laughs) and he asks him a question, he doesn't really process the answer and he has to ask him to tell it all over again. Yeah. Wordsworth has shown us that the poet gets so taken up with his own feelings about his own (laughs) poetic nature that he, in fact, is a lousy human being to the people around him. And so in this case, Resolution and Independence, it seems to me, although it doesn't, most people don't read it the way I've just suggested to you. They they read it the way they read daffodils. Like, mm-hmm. oh, goody, I can think about this and it'll make me feel good. Because yep. even a guy who suffered so much can have a firm mind. But I think I think by giving us that dramatic situation, um, 
Wordsworth is letting us know the poet deserves to be criticized for thinking this way. <laughs> and you know who picked up on that? Who's that? Lewis Carroll. Oh. He has a poem in Through the Looking Glass called An Aged, Aged Man. And if you read it, which I can't take the time to now, the whole thing is a critique of resolution and independence. Uh -huh based on the idea that the guy who's talking to the old man is paying no damned attention to him at all. It's a terrific satire of Wordsworth. Mm. I, look at, I look at a smart guy like Lewis Carroll figuring that out. I look at Wordsworth himself making it clear that you can read it that way. Mm -hmm. And then I go back, since it was written in 1802, I go back to this poem that was first published in 1802. I wandered lonely as a cloud. Lonely as a cloud? Hey, wait a minute. And I think, son of a gun, it's clear to me that this poet in the poem is deserving of criticism. But does the poet who writes the poem mm. want us to get it? Or is he actually kind of thinking, yeah, being a poet is cool, and I am great. <laughs> Call me the king of all the daffodils. Yeah. Narcissus, here I come. Yeah. What do you ask, Jesse? Oh, That's how I... Yeah, um, that's interesting. The uh, the idea of this is like a war photographer going to the war and taking a picture of all these poor refugees, and, and then he gets home and he gets out those pictures and looks at them and says, I'm such a, an amazing photographer. <laughs> these these pictures really bring emotion to me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I, I think I like, you've got it. I like that. Um, uh, I, I, I the Wordsworth I think most about is one we've done for this podcast called "We Are Seven, and it is kind of the same thing. It's some guy wandering in the woods. You know, he's he's a man of leisure. And he, he finds some kid and he says, hey, kid, how, how many brothers and sisters do you have? And then she tells him and he's like, wow, that kid's crazy. <laughs> Forgetting about the tragedy in this kid's life, right? It's all about right. – and there's a line there in that poem. "Twas throwing words away. <laughs> the little maid would have her way. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, that's kind of what we have here because – uh, 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 my understanding is that he was on a walk with his sister. <laughs> sister's right, not in this. Quite famous. Uh, sister's not in this poem, right? It's. Uh, I was wandering as lonely as a cloud. Yeah, my sister's not important to this story. <laughs> Over the way. And indeed, Dorothy Wordsworth herself was an important poet, though not nearly as important as her brother. Um, and she is the one who preserved all of his uh, his materials after he died. Mm -hmm. He was poet laureate um, from I think 1847 until his death in 1850, and. Uh, and she's the one who kept the flame going. Mm. Um, so Dorothy meant an awful lot in William's life. And you point out quite rightly that we know from his letters that this, the, the walk that supposedly motivated this poem is one he took with Dorothy. Mm -hmm. And yet... He's wandering lonelyly. Exactly. Because even with a human being, a family member beside him, oh no, he's up there in the clouds. Sorry, cloud, not clouds, yes. up there in the cloud, looking down like one of El Greco's portraits of God the Father, um, you I, know, I like perched the, on a cloud. I like uh, the line uh, where he's describing the building of the delight that he's experiencing. Um, uh, the waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. The next line, a poet could not be but gay... 
in such a laughing company. And then we get a homophone or near homophone for gay, which is I gazed and gazed. Right. So the 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 happiness, the delight is building and building. But little thought what wealth the show had brought to to me had brought a little backwards grammar there. And then later on in the, you know, we find out whenever now he has a a vacant moment, which is apparently a lot. (laughs) 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 Or even when he's in a pensive mood. Ah, should I have the toast or should I just have the bun? (laughs) 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 They fly, he closes his eyes to decide and then suddenly he's dancing with those daffodils. As you you point out, he's the king of the daffodils in this. Um, uh, I like also that um, you brought that, uh, the Narcissus into it because um, dancing Narcissus is... is, uh, a kind of funny image, and um, one of the things that it is about daffodils is that they're they're uh, it's not petals, but there's like a little shoot for them to uh, give out their nectar. Right? It's it points down. It's it faces mm-hmm. down in the same way that um, the cloud faces down and looks at the landscape, and he faces down and looks at the daffodils. And whenever he's he's in a vacant or pensive mood, he's I picture him. You know, closing his eyes and looking down. Um, and when you close your eyes, this isn't something um, of interaction with the world. It's interaction with the inner world. Um, and yet, there is this funny situation where uh, a romantic poet is a guy who likes to go for a walk, and then he writes down what happened, um, his experiences of nature. No, he doesn't write down what happened. He writes down what he thought about what yes, happened. Yes, the experiences of, of nature that he puts through his own lens and here uh the takeaway is that it's for it's this is a delight for me and what's nice about this is you know a couple hundred years later here we are talking about it uh we haven't experienced the daffodils uh, that he saw with his sister but what we do have is the experience of him experiencing it and um we have a good laugh over how narcissistic it is yeah, I think that's so. I would also point out that he gets this. I mean, he he, he does, whether or not he gets it as, as narcissism, he says in the preface to uh, the, the second edition of mm-hmm. uh, Lyrical Ballads, that poetry he calls the spontaneous overflow of powerful right. emo- feeling. It takes its origin from emotion recollected in tranquility. Right, right. It's... So you may have emotion there, but poetry comes from you recalling it when you are at peace. Right. So the really important thing here isn't the daffodils. No. They don't care about them. And it's not even his emotions there, and certainly not his sister with whom he's having the walk. (laughs) What's important is how he feels about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. His feelings (laughs) are so important. It's the privileging of of – the me, me, me. <laughs> Over. It's the bliss of solitude. Yeah. The bliss of solitude. That's what he wants the most. I would also point out, I, I know that daffodils come in more than one color, but um, in my experience, virtually all daffodils, which as, as you know, as you point out, they don't face upward. They, they face forward or slightly downward on mm-hmm. the sides of lakes, hence Ovid's story. Um, daffodils are, are bright yellow. Yes. Now, the word daisy 
is uh, a modern use of uh, a word which initially in older English was day's eyes. And the day's eye was the sun. And daisies with a bright yellow right. center and white petals. Uh, daffodils don't have the white petals. Their petals themselves are yellow, but they have that same bright yellowness. They look like the sun, mm-hmm. except this host is not just you know the first god, the sun, but in fact the host, a whole army of them. So collectively, they may be worth contemplation, but even collectively, they are not as important as the cloud that looks down upon them. So when he wanders lonely as a cloud, picking up what you were, you brought it to our attention about Dorothy. How could he be lonely? He's actually with someone. Mm-hmm. That says something very powerful about what it takes to be a poet. And Wordsworth clearly liked being a poet. But I don't like being a poet if that's what you have to be like. That's why I said when we began, um, it's clear to me how I, as a person, read this poem. What's less clear to me is whether or not Wordsworth wanted me to read it that way. (laughs) He may really have wanted uh, me to think, what a great guy he is to be able to (laughs) process a simple view of flowers by a lakeside into great poetry. I don't know whether Wordsworth was the narcissist <laughs> or he wanted me to realize this it's wrong to be a narcissist. Opening himself up for criticism that way would make him, in my view, much less a narcissist. Yeah. I, I, but, tra- but traditionally, the world views him as, as meaning this stuff, yeah. not meaning the criticism of it. I, I, I don't get the sense that he's super self-aware about him being a narcissist in reading his stuff um but it's also not very offensive it's it's more humorous to me because it's um it's like those guys he's uh um uh i was slain by my own devastating ennui (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) okay (laughs) you're really full of yourself but i think lewis carroll did pick up on it that 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 word repeat very cleverly yeah yeah Right In Resolution Independence, the words are there to let us know the poet is not paying attention to the people around him. Mm. In this, in Daffodils, unless we do our background work, as you have, we don't know that Dorothy was with him. Mm-hmm. But in Resolution Independence, we do know there's somebody with him. And we're told by the poet, oh, gosh, I really wasn't paying attention to this <laughs> poor old guy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a... There, it, it is not offensive, but, um, uh, you know, some people you would like, you know, you know that they're uh, a good read, but you don't want to spend any time with them. I, I get the sense that a lot of the uh, romantic poets were um, <laughs> better to read 200 years later than to be hanging out with. Um, just because uh, ah. they've, they, they've got, like, some things right, but there is a disconnect um, and I, I remember that uh, definition, um, or it's more like a statement of this is how to be a romantic poet from the second edition of Lyrical Ballads. I don't know if I studied it or what in university, but um, it was pretty funny because it is it is kind of like um, we're artists and this is how we're going to do things. And if you want to be an artist, you have to be like us. <laughs> Right. Whereas um, I'm like I like poems, 
<laughs> let's let's well, I think, write some I, poems. I think people it didn't take long for people to to pick up on what that might mean. Isn't it uh isn't the Gilbert and Sullivan uh operetta called Patience, the one where there's a poet named Bunthorn, I think, who's just <laughs> a fop all over uh. the place and he's just always feeling this and yeah. feeling that with such exquisite exquisite yeah, sensitivity. The grifters you know? is is uh there was a uh uh, a novel uh, in the Sharp series where a, a foppish romantic poet shows up and he's just he's just being um, uh, he's just it's like a pose so that he can get close to a girl because girls like poetry and it's like no a real man doesn't just you know have internal thoughts about how gorgeous ladies are and you compare them to uh, flowers but rather a real man uh, has you know honesty and stuff like that and so there is a kind of uh definitely an attack it's funny because i think we're so beyond this this period we're so far down the line that the the criticism of the romantic poets has come and gone and we're left with just just the poems you know and yet as you say 200 years later we still find that we enjoy them we can enjoy them as you suggested to when we begin, when we began, um, by reading it simply, like, mm-hmm. oh look, I had an experience, and it gave me not only pleasure, it helped me make a poem, which can give you pleasure. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm suggesting that then and now, there is always more to say. Thanks very much for listening, and remember. You can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio.